Let us pray. Sounds so simple, doesn't it? Perhaps it's the most challenging thing we'll do in our Christian journey. Let us pray. James chapter 5, verse 12, and actually we're going to look at verse 13 through 18. And here's what the Scripture says to the church. The church, you know, those who've been called out by the grace of God to become a part of a community and a body of believers and followers of Christ. They have one spirit that unites them, one faith that holds them together. And so we look at this. Here's what he says in verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? He should pray. Is anyone cheerful? He should sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? He should call for the elders of the church. They should pray over him after anointing him with olive oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick person and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The intense prayer of the righteous is very powerful. This is what I want you to underline in your Bible. The intense prayer of the righteous is very powerful. There are two things that are obvious in that statement. One is intensity, and the other is righteousness. And it takes both. The great Welsh revival that was swept across Wales and seemed like great suddenness and power was when... The people gathered to call and pray for revival. They gathered as usual. They sang as usual. And they prayed as usual. The minister began to challenge the people to prepare and pray and ask God for revival. Upon which a young man stood up in the congregation and said... Who can ascend to the hill of the Lord except he who has clean hands and a pure heart? Righteousness. He goes on to say, James, as he's writing, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the land. Then he prayed again, and the sky gave rain, and the land produced its fruit. We understand that prayer is essential to our journey. Then I must hurry to the question and ask, why do we pray so little and so indifferently and so casually that it's ineffective? This passage is about talking with God. Does that stir some kind of incitement in you? To talk with God? It should. 
to converse with God. Our, our time and conversation with God reflects our measure of faith, our depth of love, and our level of maturity in our spiritual life. E.M. Bounds said, to pray is the greatest thing we can do. And to do it well, there must be calmness, time, and deliberation. This comes from a man who would start praying at usually 2 to 3 a.m. in the morning. I um, just want to share two thoughts with you. As we look at this and understand the privilege and the opportunity to have a conversation with God. James says there's prayer for the suffering and the sick. And, and this prayer for the suffering and the sick claims the promises of God and calls for the power of God. So we understand that prayer is not a one-way street. It is a, the process of of the, the suffering or the sick or, 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 or the devastated or the discouraged to, to bring their baggage, if you will, their, their brokenness, their hurt, their anger, their fear, their worry, and bring it to the one who can respond properly. Prayer for the suffering and sick claims the promises of God. That he will hear us, that he will answer, that he will respond in, 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 in consistency with his nature and his glory. And so I come to understand as I, as I realize we talk about prayer and we, we certainly go through the motions of praying and we understand how to, how to sound somewhat spiritual in our language and yet that really has nothing to do with conversing with God. But we've become so well at it, we seem to not Realize what we really miss. For all around us are people who are suffering horribly. There's those who are sin sick. There's those who are physically sick. There are those who are devastated by the events of life and the circumstances in which they live. And he says, I want you to pray. Two things we need to understand about this is, number one, it's an incredible privilege. We all like privileges. We all like to have the VIP pass to a special event, to where we get to go backstage or sit on the front row or, or be in a special place or, or meet someone. I've had the privilege in my years of ministry of sitting at the table with some pretty neat people at various events. Some amazing people. We, and, and we understand it's kind of a privilege you get to do that. Because you really aren't entitled to it. It's just a privilege. I, I want to call us back to understanding that prayer is privilege to talk with the Creator of the universe. He has granted us an open door. 
an opportunity, an audience, if you will, to converse with Him about everything in our life. Now, there's, I'm going to tell you an honest truth. There's probably no one that wants to hear everything about your life. I'm just telling you. Okay? That's going to bust your bubble. I know. They don't hear everything about your life. They like to hear some of the things about your life. But they don't want to hear everything. But the creator of the universe wants to hear everything. So important your time with him that he, if you are moved to cry, he catches your tears in a bottle. So not be forgotten. He wants to hear about every pain and every worry and every fear. And we have this amazing privilege to talk to the creator of the universe, the one who causes nations to rise and fall, the one who loves so much that he would give his son to die on a cross, has invited me to come and converse with him as long as I want, as often as I want, about anything I want. And yet somewhere along the way, I tell him I haven't got time. And he waits for us. And we haven't got time. And he waits for us. And it's really not that important. And he waits for us. And, it, and we'll get around to it. And, and he waits for us. <laughs> and we seem to never show up. For our conversation. We've got things to do. We're, we're busy and, and there's so much we've got to fix. Perhaps we might need to ask a question. How's that working for us? Incredible privilege. To talk to him about our suffering, our struggles. Do you know that we can be completely transparent? And he will... Love us still. Oh, what a privilege to carry everything to the creator of the universe in prayer. I know we sang that a few minutes ago. But it needs to be more than a song. The second thing is an intentional process. It is not something that's just going to happen accidentally. It's going to happen because I choose to be intentional in my conversation. The process is personal. The process of conversing with God and, and letting him be a part of my life in every area is intentional. I come to him with an open heart and an open mind and, and a transparency where I'm willing to confess my sin. Say, God, I really sinned here. I, I, I really did something wrong. I, I did something wrong against a brother or a sister. I did something wrong against you and your kingdom. I, I did something wrong 
against a, a, a person outside the church. I, I have thought wrongly. I have behaved wrongly. Yet in this transparency, he, he loves me still that he will let the healing begin and forgiveness flow and grace abound. But it's an intentional process. And I am constantly amazed at how we are so content to live with unconfessed sin. To refuse to repent of the things we've done that have harmed ourselves, the body of Christ, the kingdom of God, and the reputation of the Lord. Knowing that, that we miss the process of watching him work in our lives supernaturally. This process is amazing. Daniel would pray three times a day. Part of his process. <coughs> That's personal. He would personally pray. But the Bible says you have that personal process, but also you have that corporate process. And the corporate process, we gather together to pray. We join hands and hearts together and we pray as God's representatives. He says here, anyone among you suffering, he should pray. That's individual, personal. That's fine. We know that. But then he says, if you're sick, if you struggle, there, you can call for others to come together corporately and pray over you and anoint with all the, the, the symbol of God's presence and spirit. And, and, and the prayer of faith does marvelous things and, and brings about a sense of healing, supernatural healing physically, sometimes healing emotionally, sometimes uh, uh, endurance spiritually, I, depending on what God's trying to do for his glory in your life. But I do know we have not because we ask not, and according to the scriptures, and therefore it is a process where I must converse with God intentionally. That these would be called together to join together and pray because the need is that demanding because our need is greater than our resources humanly. We call on God, the creator of the universe. We enjoy our privilege, engage in the process. And God shows up. Tonight, we're going to have a concert of prayer. And the truth is, if you've read that, some of you already decided you weren't coming tonight. Why? Are you really happy with the way things are going on in the world? Don't need to pray? I mean, you really think it's going that good? You really think things are going really just, just how God wants them to in his church? And you think things are absolutely just wonderful and perfect in your life? I don't want you to come tonight because you're feeling guilty. I want you to come tonight because you see the need. To understand, we need to pray together. God may work. D.L. Moody said this, we honor God when we ask for great things. It is a humiliating thing to think that we are satisfied with very small results. 
Oswald Chambers says, every time we pray, our horizon is altered. Our attitude to things is altered. Not sometimes, but every time. It's the amazing thing that we don't pray more. Pray for those who are suffering around us. For those who are sick. I have a dear friend. I love. Known for 19 years this past June. And his wife is in the hospital awaiting for an MRI today to determine what in the world's going on, where they can find source and cause of the lesions in her brain. Some of you have known Bonnie longer than I have. We need to pray. Honestly, my wife is with my daughter who has had a horrible night last night. We need to pray. If you don't have any problems you need to pray about, let me share some with you. Because the creator of the universe has said, we need to pray. We need to talk with him that he may show himself in our lives and change the way we think or the way we behave or the way we respond. The second thing is we pray for the salvation of those without Christ and for the strength and strength for those who are struggling. We pray because the world is lost. We pray passionately, number one. We pray passionately. That means it's more than words. It's not the flow of words that impress God. That never has been. It is not the prayer from the head that matters. It is the prayer from the heart. The words are not important. One of the greatest men of prayer in history was praying high he got the, because he prayed so much. He would pray for hours at a time. And, and when people would be invited, they would want to come and pray with him. And, and he would welcome them to come and pray with him. But they were somewhat amazed at how it went because he didn't say a lot of words. Matter of fact, a lot of times he didn't even say sentences. But when you're in his prayer parlor, you, those three hours seem like about 15 minutes. And men left amazed. Pray passionately. We pray persistently. Again and again, not to change God's mind. No. That's what we think, isn't it? I mean, really, we pray because, God, we're going to get you around our way of thinking. We're going to twist your arm until finally you say, uncle, and, and we're going to get what we want. That's not how prayer works. That's not the purpose of persistence prayer. The, the purpose in persistently praying is that our heart would change. That's why. 
Apostle Paul would pray for a thorn in the flesh to be removed. He said, I've prayed for it three times. Here's a man who knew how to do his privilege. He used his privilege well. He understood the process of prayer. He prayed passionately, but also he prayed persistently. And yet God finally gave him a new word on the matter. Finally gave him a new sense of comfort in the situation. He said, no, I'm not going to remove the thorn. That wasn't the answer Paul was looking for. He said, but I am going to give you an extra portion of grace. You'll be fine. He had to keep praying because finally his heart got into a position where he could receive what God was going to say to him. The first time he wasn't ready for that word. God knows when we're ready to hear what he's got to say. And so we, we respond and we persistently seek him out. One of my favorite stories is in the book of 1 Kings 17. It's, the, it's, it's Elijah and the widow. And she administered to the prophet of God in his need physically. And so in the process, uh, he blessed her. She'd have a son and then blessed her son. And then the, the son became ill and died. And she said, you have killed my son. What have you done to me? And verse 19, but Elijah said to her, give me your son. So he took him from her arms and brought her up to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his bed. And he cried to the Lord and said, God, you have also brought tragedy on the widow I'm staying with by killing her son. Then he stretched himself out over the boy three times. He cried out to the Lord and said, my Lord, my God, please let this boy's life return to him. So the Lord listened to Elijah's voice and the boy's life returned to him. I want you to catch the persistence and the passion. This prophet took this boy in his arms and ran up to where he stayed and laid him on his bed and began to passionately intercede on behalf of his mom and him. And and in the process... Three times he asked God to work. Three times he passionately asked God to work. Persistence. Persistence. The art of conversing with God. Let us pray. Not the words passion a young child had volunteered to pray at bedtime mom was so excited and knelt down beside her and and, uh, she began to pray and pray and pray and her voice was getting softer And softer and quieter as she prayed. And then her mom noticed her lips were moving, but she couldn't understand what she was saying. 
Couldn't even hear her. And then when she was through, she said, Amen. Her mom looked at her and said, I didn't, I didn't hear, I didn't hear what you were saying. And she said, that's okay, I wasn't talking to you. <laughs> talking to God. It does not matter that other people hear us. But it matters significantly that God hears from us. Any revitalization of faith in this country will have to start with prayer in which we gain a sense of the living presence of God. And I love what Billy Graham said. Heaven is full of answers to prayers for which no one ever bothered to ask.